Coming up. Who don't want to be their party buddy. Yeah, you can't be their partner in crime You anymore. can't be their partner no more. And so they'll do things. They close to you too, but they're doing things you know, making little statements, you know, when you start talking about God or the Bible or little things or doing something or trying to make appointments with you, trying to set up Sunday morning breakfast, you know, with you, because they know that's the time you go to church or whatever. You know, just, I'm just giving you, some of y'all may experience some things like this, and it may have been somebody in your family. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One the podcast ministry of Pastor Robert Scott of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. Did you know the devil only has three weapons he uses against us? But don't be fooled. He may only have three weapons, but he has plenty of tricks. Join us for the message series, Propositions from the Devil, where Pastor Robert and his wife Carolyn carefully walk through many of the traps from our very real enemy and the tools we possess to be victorious against him. Here's the 10th message in the series, Hindering People from the Faith, part two. And so um, he invited Paul and Barnabas to come talk to him. Think about it, let's, let's, let's think about this. Think about you. You may not feel like you qualified to talk to somebody, but what if a non-believer asks you to come and talk to them about God? Your coworker asks you a question about God. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody you see on the street asks yeah. you. You just get asked to talk about God, to tell the message of God. How are you going to feel? What's going to be your first thoughts and your and, and emotions? Think about it. A stranger, somebody you don't know, somebody you don't know God, want you to tell them about God. It is my prayer that you will, you would say something, <laughs> okay? Yeah. That you would not run from the opportunity mm -hmm. to tell somebody. I, it is my prayer that you wouldn't do that. Yeah. This is a, one of the reasons why we're talking about this today. Understand the enemy, the enemy wants to hinder people from coming to faith. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be a part of the process of, of the enemy using you to hinder people mm -hmm. from coming to faith. So you have someone who asks you to tell them about Jesus Christ. Yeah. I want to make sure you're able to say something and you should be gearing yourself up for this hypothetical. Now you should ask yourself from time to time, what if this lady walking up here right now, asked me about Christ, what would I say? Do that exercise as you at the grocery store or doing whatever you're doing out and whatever you're doing in your life. Think about it. Just, key in on a person and say, what if they ask me? I'm, I'm of the mindset that if you do that enough times, you won't wait for them to ask you. You will approach them at some point and tell them. Mm -hmm. 
because you are processing it. See, right now we go out and we do our thing and we're not even thinking about the opportunities that I have to tell somebody. I want you to reverse this. And maybe you can start by just asking yourself, what if this person, this lady sitting over here would ask me, what if she asked me, what would I say? Mm-hmm. While you, you know, waiting to get your hair done, you know, what if this other lady over here sitting here, wait, would ask me what I'm, right. while you're at the gym working out, what if the guy over here pumping these iron would ask me mm-hmm. to tell him about Christ? What would I say? I believe that if you do, if you go through this exercise, it's going to cause you to first of all, to ponder what you would say, mm-hmm. gain some confidence about talking about it, mm-hmm. and then begin to initiate conversations yourself, like we've been ordained and commissioned to do. We want to be a part of people coming to Christ. The devil wants to hinder people from coming to faith. Right. We don't want to help the devil hinder people by not telling people about Christ. And so the governor wanted to know about, can't you see Paul and Barnabas? What? Oh, they probably was chomping at the bit. Oh yeah, let's go talk to me. They might've been chest bumping. I'm just making some stuff up here, but just get the idea. They were probably hyped. Mm fired up about the opportunity to go tell, first of all, for somebody to ask, and then for them to ask them to tell them. Yeah. yeah. They were, remember, they were sent by the Holy Spirit. So they were commissioned to go and do this. So then when somebody said, hey, come tell us about Christ, I'm sure they was jumping for joy, mm-hmm. ready to go talk about their Lord. Yeah. yeah. That's how we should be. That's how we should be. Amen. There was another man, another intelligent man who wanted to know more about Christ. And we find that in John chapter three, verses one through 12. And I'm going to read this because I want you to see intelligent people want to know too. So don't be intimidated because they're educated. Don't be intimidated because they're smart. Because remember, all you're going to tell them is what you know, not what you don't know. <laughs> right? Right. So it says here in John 3, 1 through 12, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So the fact that he was a religious leader and a Pharisee tells us he was very studied because the Pharisees studied the law, studied the law through and through and were aware of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And they were a strict set of group that of of people, they didn't necessarily believe in Christ, but they did believe in God. And they were not adhering to it to the way that God wanted them to, but they were very familiar with scripture. Mm -hmm. So he was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Verse two, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus says, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. You see it? You see the questions? He's like, what do you mean? He's an educated man. And all Jesus told him that you ain't going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And now it raises him. He causes him to ask more questions. He says, well, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and, uh, and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to, the, to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it's, where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. You see, Nicodemus is constantly inquiring, asking more questions. Verse 10, Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me when I tell you about heavenly things? Mm -hmm. And so Jesus was saying something here in this last st statement he made. He says, I'll use earthly things to explain heavenly things or spiritual mm -hmm. things. And so that's another tactic you can take to help people understand or when they ask questions about God to use an earthly example to explain a spiritual matter. Mm -hmm. Amen. And Jesus says, if you, you should be able to, a person should be able to make that connection. And so you can think about that as something you can say if somebody asks you. And again, you don't tell them what you don't know. Amen. All right. And so you've heard some things, uh, questions that people have or uh, beliefs that they have. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that there are answers to these kinds of questions. Amen. There are answers. And if you don't know the answer, you shouldn't be uh, hesitant to still talk about it. Again, you just want to talk about what you know, mm -hmm. what you know. And just to say a little bit about the one that came up the most about evil in the world. Right. Um, and we've discussed this in some kind of way is that we, you know, they acting like evil is God's fault. Mm -hmm. Evil people or acting like it's eat that that is God's fault that there's evil in the world. So there are evil people saying, why is there evil happening <laughs> in the world? Yeah. But they're evil themselves. Yeah. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that what they're calling evil. So they're saying when that person shoots somebody and kills somebody, that's evil. But when I tell a lie, that's not evil. Mm -hmm. So their understanding of evil is twisted mm -hmm. just because uh, one act is, you know, in their mind, more evil than the other evil. That doesn't make them not evil or the things they're doing not evil. Mm -hmm. They're cheating on their taxes or whatever. They ran that red light, you know, all this, stuff, all of that is evil. Mm 
Mm. Right. And they don't understand that to be evil. Yeah. And then the other part of this is that God has given everybody choices. He's given them choice. You know, you can run light if you want to, but that's not the way you should should be. You can tell that lie if you want to. You can cheat on your taxes. God has given everybody choices. So evil is in the world because of the choices that evil people have made. Yes. Yeah, right. volitional power. We have the power to choose. That's right. Right. So we have the power to choose and we choose evil. And that's why evil is in the world. You know, right. God can take that power away from us. Yeah. <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a right to choose, right? Yeah. Yes. But just understand when folks ask that question, they're not seeing themselves as being evil. Right. Yes. Most of the time, they're not seeing the evil in them. That's part of the, the we did a whole series on on um, the Travelers of the Heart series, mm-hmm. talking about all of us have evil in us. Yeah. And whether we want to admit it or not. And the problem is we want to call some something and someone else more evil than we are. And then we want to see ourselves as good yes. when all of us are jacked up. Yes, right. So that's just a little something on it. And again, obviously, there's more, much more that can be said. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to respond to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So the third thing that we need to consider while sharing the gospel is there are people who purpose to keep others from believing in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There are people who purpose, on purpose, want to keep folk from believing in Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. Imagine that. They intentionally don't want somebody to believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It happened here in this story. Look what happened in Acts 13, 8. But the magician Elimus, as Bar-Jesus was called in Greek, spoke against them. He spoke against Paul and Barnabas, mm-hmm. trying to stop the governor from believing in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He actively was trying to stop the governor from believing. Mm-hmm. Think about that. This false prophet that we read about already, this person who's mixing magic and sorcery with the truths of God, trying to stop the governor. And it also told us in the other passage that he would he stayed close to the governor. Mm-hmm. He was always close to the governor. Yeah. And this person who's always close to the governor is trying to keep him from getting to be from from becoming a believer. Right, because you want to fool him with his stuff. Yeah. And it's not that far-fetched. You know, you guys know you we experience it all the time. You know, people speak against the Bible, you know, speak against the Bible, or because they don't understand it completely, or they don't understand or are not trying to understand. Then you start trying to talk to them like, ah, you know, I, you know, I used to go to church, but I, you know, it's a bunch of hypocrites. They are, you know, they make up excuses or whatever. Right. So it's, it's not that far-fetched. We deal, we, we deal with it all the time. And let me give you a practical way this can play itself out. You have a friend say he, you know, this person is your party friend. It's the person that you go out on the town with and you get drunk with, you know, you do some things that are not right with mm. okay but y'all do it together y'all have this fun together and then you start talking some jesus stuff mm. <laughs> yeah 
They don't want to hear. They they don't want to. You know, they they see you indulging in the Jesus stuff. You start sharing how you was reading your Bible and you was going to church or whatever, and they know that if you start going down that path, you're not gonna be partying with them like you used mm -hmm. to. And so, guess what they will do? <laughs> they will start to try to discourage you right, right. from doing those things that's going to make them make you turn you not turn you into someone who don't want to be their party buddy yeah, no you more. You can't be their partner in crime. You anymore. can't be their partner no more. And so they'll do things. They're close to you too, mm -hmm. but they're doing things. You know, making little statements, you know, when you start talking about God or the Bible or little things or doing something or trying to make appointments with you, trying to set up Sunday morning breakfast, you know, with you because they know that's the time you go to church or whatever. You know, just I'm just giving you some of y'all may experience some things like this. And it may have been somebody in your family who was doing things to discourage you from getting closer to God because it's, it was going to change the dynamics of your relationship with them right. if you got closer to God. And they were fearful of the dynamics changing. They didn't want the dynamics of your relationship to change. Mm -hmm. They wanted you to continue to be their partner in crime, their mm -hmm. partner in sin. Yeah. So you probably have experienced this on some level. Most definitely. In your life. Mm -hmm. And this is what's happening. Someone close to the governor was speaking against those who were speaking the truth of the gospel, mm -hmm. trying to prevent the governor from becoming a believer. Yeah. You might encounter something like this, mm -hmm. just like Paul and Barnabas did. Look what it says here in Matthew 16, 18. And this is to encourage us that when we experience this, Jesus is still with us as he said he would when he commissioned us. He says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And look what Jesus says here, Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, I'm, he was saying on the testimony that Peter gave about who Jesus was, when Jesus and Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus was saying upon that testimony, yeah. I'm going to build my church mm -hmm. and the things that the gates of Haiti, the things that the, 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 that the enemy does to keep it from happening uh, will not overcome me building my church. So you can go and tell people about Christ in the confidence that first of all, Christ is building his church and Christ is going to defend his church and keep evil from, and from overcoming him building his church. Right. And when we tell people about Christ, we are being a part of the building of the church. Mm -hmm. Because the church is not the building. Right. The church is the people. That's right. And the church grows because we tell people mm -hmm. the gospel message and they become believers. Right. And then for the church grows. And God, Jesus is saying, I'm building my church. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm building the people mm -hmm. who are becoming believers. Amen. Amen. Jesus says, I'm doing that. Amen. So though we will face 
folks who want to prevent it from happening, mm -hmm. Jesus is working on the other side to make it happen. Amen. Amen. So you're going to face people who are trying to keep somebody from becoming a believer. Mm -hmm. The fourth thing that we need to consider is sometimes people who are being used by the enemy need to be confronted. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people who the enemy is using, they need to be confronted mm -hmm. in love, yeah. but still confronted. Mm -hmm. um, look what it says here in Acts 13, 9 and 10. But Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to pause right here for a minute. What, what Paul is about to do in confronting the Limus, he's doing it while filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Y'all get that? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah I gotta he, point that out. He's not in his own, he's not in his feelings. He's mm -hmm. not caught up in his feelings. Mm -hmm. He's not, he's, you know, he's he's operating and being led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we confront someone who's being used by the enemy, we need to make sure the spirit is leading us, that we're not doing it in our flesh. Mm -hmm. We're doing it in the spirit. Then we confront them with, with the power of the spirit. So it says here, Paul, but Saul, also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked hard at Elimus and said, you son of the devil, hmm. full of lies and all kinds of evil tricks. You are an enemy of everything that is right. Will you never stop trying to change the Lord's truth into lies? Hmm. And so he confronted him, called him out what he is, said, you are a child of the son of the devil. You are full of lies. You do, you're doing all kinds of evil tricks. And he, he gives him a, a question. Will you, will you ever stop trying to change the Lord's truth into lies? Yeah. So we see when he was trying to keep um, the governor from becoming, becoming a believer, he was taking the truth that Paul and, and Barnabas gave him and trying to turn it into a lie mm -hmm. when they had given him the truth Man. in order to keep the governor from becoming a believer. You will encounter people, you may encounter people who will do that kind of thing and you may have already encountered them. <laughs> Folks who tell you uh, the Bible that ain't true. That ain't right. Mm -hmm. You you quote a scripture and they said, no, nah, you can't trust that Bible. Mm -hmm. That Bible is in error. Mm -hmm. Those words were, those man's words. Yeah, men wrote that. Men wrote that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want to say all these things about the word that we follow. And this is what was happening. And, and Paul says, will you ever stop trying to turn God's truth into a lie? Mm -hmm. And this leads us to the fifth thing that we need to consider. Understand God wants to lead everyone to repentance. Yes. God, want, God wants to lead everyone to repentance. It goes on to say in verse 11 of Acts 13, um, after Paul said that to him, he, it says, now the Lord will touch you and you will be blind. For a time, you will not be able to see anything, not even the light from the sun. So I want to pause right here for a moment just to talk about how 
through by being led by the spirit, Paul tells him that he's a son of the devil, he's a liar, and he's doing all kinds of evil tricks. And then he says, the Lord's going to make you blind, cause you to go blind. Not forever, though, mm -hmm. but for a period of time. That was mercy. Yeah. That was grace. Mm -hmm. That was God trying to give him an opportunity mm -hmm. to learn and believe something different. Yeah. God struck him blind to change his mind. Mm -hmm. I'm flowing now. Y'all see, yeah, my, see my rhyme? Y'all see my rhyme? Y'all see my rhyme? God made him blind to change his mind. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see? Yeah. He didn't do it. He, and that's why he did it. Mm -hmm. That's why he did it. He wanted him to reconsider his thoughts and beliefs. Yeah, gave him a chance. So that he will become a believer. Mm -hmm. That's what God did. And then it reads on. Um, then. then everything became dark for Elimus, and he walked around lost. Mm -hmm. He was trying to find someone to lead him by the hand. Yeah. And to go with this concept, look what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, his promise to find, to bring judgment to the world eventually, mm -hmm. as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. So God is being patient. God was being patient with Elimus. That's why he was he struck him blind to change his mind, to give him time to get his mind right. And then it goes on to say in 2 Peter, he does not want anyone to be destroyed but he wants everyone to repent. Amen. So God made Elimus blind so that he would repent mm -hmm. of his actions and beliefs. Amen. Amen. And so, and lastly, the last thing I want we should consider from this passage is if you let God use you, some will come to believe in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We just got to know that. Yeah. We got to know that if I let God use me, some will come to believe. Now, you may not never know who they are. Mm -hmm. You yeah. might not never see it happen yourself. But you become part of the process of them coming to believe. Yeah. You may plant the seed or you might do some watering or you just for part of the process. You may, may not, you may not ever know that it happened, right. but you need to tell people about Christ, understanding that somewhere along the line, you doing this is going to reap some fruit mm -hmm. with somebody, yeah. though you may never see the fruit. You just got to believe it in faith. Just believe in faith. That if I tell folks about it, God's going to do something with, because I'm letting him use me to get the message out. And that's kind of how we have to move in it. Mm -hmm. Look what it says here in Acts 13, 12. When the governor saw this, he believed. Y'all see what happened here? Mm -hmm. 
God used the acts of Elimus, mm -hmm. the fact that Elimus was trying to keep him, keep the governor from becoming a believer, and how he was trying to turn God's truth into lies. And then um, Paul and Barnabas confronted him about it, and then he became blind. That all of that God used to change the mind of the governor for the governor to become a believer. So it says, when the governor saw this, he believed. Mm -hmm. He was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Amen. And it brought the governor to belief. Mm -hmm. The fact that Paul and Barnabas, he, he let God use them. They were led by the spirit to talk about Christ, to confront Elimus, and it led to the governor becoming a believer. I'm wondering if we would just let God use us, who might become a believer? Again, we may never see the who, but we can move in faith knowing that giving out the message, God is going to do something with it. Look what it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And this is a place to go to get the gospel. And if you haven't highlighted or circled this in your Bible, you should. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, we find the gospel of Christ, one of the places we find it. And this is Paul talking. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth. Mm -hmm. Paul says, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received on, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And this is the most important thing, Paul says, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So Paul just gave them the gospel of Christ, and that is it right there good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose on the third day. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. Do you know that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me into the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to find a church where you can learn more about Jesus, draw closer to God and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. Just because I express interest to go to heaven, that doesn't make my faith real. Right, right. And nor does it make anyone else's faith real. Uh, just because I, I say rest in peace, that doesn't mean that the person I said rest in peace right. is resting in peace. Right. Just because I said rest in peace, that doesn't mean that. Because yeah. God is very clear in his word that there's two places that every person is going to spend eternity. It's either going to be with him, rest with God, resting in peace, or it's going to be in the place that separates everyone eternally from yeah. God that goes there. Yes. And that's hell. Hell is real. Yeah. You're either going to be in hell or with God in heaven. Thank you for listening. <laughs>